Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast. Thank you to our audience for helping us achieve a top 20 of 2021 status. Thank you so much. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We believe well-designed employee benefit programs enhance people's lives. I'm your host here with my co-host and bike riding business partner, Al McDonald. Al, what do you say? Hey, Robin. Pleasure to be here as always and looking forward to our, our slate of guests that we have today. I introduce you as our biking host and biking business partner. And there is a reason why I did that. Uh, We're in the month of August. We did a podcast with you recently, but I just wanted to remind everybody what you've been doing for the month of August, because I think it's such an important cause. And I'm very proud of you. And and I just want to share that with the audience. Well, thanks. Yeah, we're recording this about the middle of August. So it will probably be broadcast before the end of August. And August is the month when I've pledged to ride 500 kilometers to raise some money for kids with cancer. So I'm very, very happy to say that I've not only met my fundraising target, I've actually almost doubled it. And at this point, I'm about halfway through my ride. So we've got a couple of weekends left and I should be able to meet and, and maybe even exceed my riding goal as well. So the weather's looking good this weekend again. So hopefully I can get out there and rack up some more Ks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. And uh, we'll be cheering you on as you continue to do that. So that's a, such a great cause. Before you go on, why don't we just take this moment to thank everyone who has sponsored the ride. Really appreciate it. And uh, without your help, I couldn't get to where I wanted to be. So appreciate everything that everyone has, uh, has done so far. Good point, Al, sending that thank you out there. Well, today we are back and we are joined by a returning guest to the podcast. He's become a very good friend of the show, an area of benefits of Life and Legacy Advisory Group, Employment Lawyer and Labor Counsel, Rich Appia. Rich, so glad to have you back on the show. Thanks a lot, Robin. Congrats on your top 20 of 20. And uh, congrats, Al, on, uh, on your fundraising. It sounds awesome. You guys are doing some great things in our community. Thanks, Rich. Pleasure as always to have you back. Thanks. Well, Rich, we're here to talk about a very timely topic and a very important topic. And and one, quite frankly, we, we never thought we'd be talking about, you know, go back a couple of years. And we've talked about this offline before, like growing up, we never thought we'd face anything in our lives. But nevertheless, here we are. And I think this is going to be a really important episode and, and topic for people to listen to. So let's jump into it. It would be an understatement to say that COVID-19 threw a wrench into the operations of so many businesses, ours included, right? And so many businesses had to, had to close their office and shift their employees to remote work. Having said that, Ontario recently started to ease some of these restrictions and some businesses have been recalling employees back to work. And one question that I'm getting, and I'm sure you're getting a lot, is businesses you know, are beginning to say, how should business approach? Like, how do we approach this vaccination of the workforce against COVID-19? So today, Rich, I was hoping you'll give us some insight in terms of whether it's legal, whether it's appropriate for businesses to require employees to get vaccinated, because I think it is such a divisive topic and hopefully we can get some clarity about what's going on right now. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, well, let's jump into it. So I guess good place to start because I know I'm hearing the question from some of my clients. 
do employers have the legal right to require its workforce to be vaccinated against COVID-19 in terms of returning back to work? So I'm going to answer that question, but let me touch upon something you mentioned just a moment ago, Robin. It is a divisive issue. The debate over vaccines and whether you should be vaccinated or not, it's a debate that's in families. Some family members say they shouldn't, and some family members said they should. So it touches upon our most basic interactions uh, with each other. So that said, I want to preface my comments by ensuring that everyone knows I'm talking about what the law says. So I'm going to speak about what I think the law says and what it doesn't say not necessarily what the cultural impacts are of asking employees to be vaccinated. So let's just be clear on that point. So on the question of whether employers have the legal right to require employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19, my answer is we think so. So today our courts and other adjudicators, they haven't ruled on whether non-unionized employers can require employees to get the COVID-19 vaccine And there is no legislation in Ontario mandating vaccination against COVID-19. Likewise, there is no legislation in Ontario that says employers may not ask employees to require vaccinations. Having said that, uh, the issue of mandatory vaccination in the workplace isn't new, especially in unionized healthcare settings. So in those settings, we have prior case law relating to mandatory influenza vaccine policies that provide some guidance. So in cases where unionized healthcare workers were not vaccinated for influenza and refused to take antiviral medication during an influenza outbreak, arbitrators have found a policy requiring workers to stay home without pay to be reasonable in most circumstances. So there is some uh, case law out there that suggests that employers in certain circumstances do have the right to require employees to be vaccinated in those cases and with respect to influenza outbreaks. So of course, these cases involved unionized workplaces and one factor arbitrators considered in upholding or striking down mandatory influenza vaccine policies was whether the policies were consistent with collective bargaining agreements between the employers and their unions. No such agreements exist in the non-unionized context. And those cases also only dealt with influenza and didn't address the seriousness of the global uh, COVID-19 pandemic. So Rich, that's a lot of information. That's great information. So based on all of what you have just said, why is it that you think that employers can require vaccinations? That's a great question, Al. So today we know that the COVID-19 virus is highly infectious and it's deadlier than influenza and more contagious variants have developed and will likely continue to develop the longer COVID-19 spreads. There's also evidence that unlike with influenza, asymptomatic transmission of COVID-19 does occur. Thirdly, Ontario employers are bound by the Occupational Health and Safety Act, which is legislation in Ontario that governs workplace health and safety. And the act says that employers must take every precaution reasonable in the circumstances to protect the health and safety of workers. So based on employers' obligations under the OHSA, the Occupational Health and Safety Act, as well as the seriousness of COVID-19, I think it's likely that non-unionized employers are permitted to require COVID-19 vaccinations in certain contexts, especially since most COVID-19 vaccines are approximately 95% effective, at least insofar as the original virus is concerned 
while the influenza vaccine varies in effectiveness every year. So based on those considerations, I think it is likely that our courts will allow employers to require employees to be vaccinated if they are going to be returning to their workplace. So Rich, how does a company go about that? Like realistically, like how can a business require mandatory vaccination? What are the steps to be taken here? I think communication is key. So communication with policies is really, really important. And in my view, the best practice is to ensure that a mandatory vaccine policy is set out in writing and is distributed to all employees, all staff. A written policy should include provisions dealing with the basic expectation. Uh, Do you want your employees to be fully vaccinated or partially vaccinated? And if fully vaccinated, what does it mean to be fully vaccinated? You also want to deal with timelines for vaccination. So think about when you expect your employees to be fully vaccinated and consider how personal health information would be collected and stored. Lastly, your policy should address the penalties for non-compliance. So can you break down those suggestions a little bit, like just give us a little bit more information on how you would deal with timelines and, and especially an important one, employee privacy. How would you break those down a little bit? So with respect to timelines, this isn't actually as big of an issue now as it was previously because the first dose of a vaccine, any vaccine, is widely available to most working Ontarians at this moment. But due to potential supply issues further down the line or changes in cautions with respect to particular vaccines, for example, the AstraZeneca vaccine, you should consider whether all employees are able to get the vaccine. And when thinking about timelines and deadlines by which employees should be vaccinated, think about what is reasonable in the circumstances given those issues of supply. With respect to employee privacy, it's really important for employers to remember that when they ask employees whether they've been vaccinated and when they ask employees to provide proof of vaccination, they're collecting personal health information that triggers privacy considerations. So if you're a business implementing a mandatory vaccine policy, your policy should grant you the authority to collect the information. So include a basic statement that we are granting upon ourselves or requiring our business to collect the information. Um, You should state the purpose for the collection of the information, that the information will be used, for example, solely for the purpose of confirming whether employees have complied with the policy. Uh, You should state whether a vaccination certificate will be required. I know there's talk about vaccine passports, but you should think about what kind of document an employee will need to produce to confirm that they are compliant with the policy. And you should also state how the information will be stored, shared, and destroyed. Those items that I mentioned are just legal requirements. There are communication pieces that will help allay the concerns of employees who may be anxious about giving their boss or their employer information about their personal health. On that note, Rich, I mean, we're talking about having a policy about, you know, what kind of information employers gathering and how they can gather and how it's going to be stored. What about non-compliance? Because I know that's certainly an issue and certainly a question that has come up from some of my clients. It is a stressful thing for employers to deal with. 
Many businesses I know are already implementing mandatory vaccine policies in their workplace. And while it's still early on, one issue that causes them some anxiety is, you know, what do I do with employees who don't comply? What do I do with employees who I love, who I really enjoy working with, who do great work and don't comply? And so the answer to that question is a difficult one to deal with in practicality. But from a policy perspective, a mandatory vaccine policy should address how your business will approach employees who refuse to comply. So you need to lay out some expectations and, and communicate with some detail what the potential consequences would be for an employee who refuses to comply. Many employees will refuse to vaccinate simply out of personal preference. From a strictly legal perspective, that's not a sufficient reason or sufficient justification not to comply with the directive of your business. So think about what the consequences will be. Will you issue a warning letter? Will you suspend an employee? Will you let them go? Will you provide them alternative accommodations or alternative arrangements so that they can comply, but you can ensure that so that they don't need to comply necessarily, but that you can still ensure their health and safety and the health and safety of their colleagues? So I think I'm hearing there's a lot of issues here for all the employers. They're really walking a fine line between you know, privacy issues, between personal preference, all those types of things. So it's <laughs> it's kind of a fine line to walk here. So one thing, a big question that I'm hearing, and hopefully you can answer this, Rich, can employees be dismissed for cause if they refuse to get vaccinated? I'll give you the typical lawyer answer, which I know uh, is frustrating for some, but it is a really honest answer. The answer depends. Um, it depends on the reason why employees might refuse. So if the reason for the refusal falls under a protected ground under the Human Rights Code, for example, and I'll touch upon that later, then there are steps that employers must take to determine whether accommodation is required. But for now, let's assume that employees are refusing to be vaccinated for a reason that's not protected by the Human Rights Code, as I mentioned for example, simply out of personal preference. That's not a sufficient justification to refuse vaccination. In the unionized context, there is one case that suggests that employers can dismiss employees for cause if they refuse to comply, in that case, uh, with a mandatory influenza vaccine policy. In that case, the employee didn't have a human rights reason to refuse vaccination, and an arbitrator upheld the dismissal arising from her refusal. But whether you can dismiss an employee summarily for cause for refusing to vaccinate in the non-unionized context will depend on the unique circumstances of each case. The dismissal would likely be upheld in workplaces that provide direct care, especially to persons vulnerable to COVID-19, for example, in the healthcare setting or in settings where employees interact frequently or significantly with the public. Less clear is whether a summary dismissal without cause will be justified in work settings in which working remotely or physical distancing in the workplace is possible. So given that uncertainty, I think businesses should implement a vaccine policy that allows them to take a flexible approach to an employee's non-compliance. So for example, as an initial reaction, a business might place a non-compliant employee on an unpaid leave until they comply with the policy. They may also simply issue a disciplinary letter. As I mentioned earlier, they may try and find alternative arrangements. Ultimately, my recommendation to businesses before they jump to a heavy hand 
is to try and work with their employees to address their employees' concerns. A lot of what's going on right now is causing a great amount of anxiety. You know, we went through a year and a half of a lockdown. The vaccines for the virus were developed at record pace in our lifetime. We've never seen vaccines developed so quickly. And people have a lot of questions. And so Before we jump to the heavy hand, as I mentioned, of termination for cause or written warning letters or suspension, I think it's important for businesses to have discussions with their employees to try and address their concerns. Maybe there is other information that uh, can be presented to employees that might uh, address their concerns with being vaccinated. Uh, Maybe there's an issue within their families. There's a debate within their families. And so I think it's important for businesses, for us as employers, to have conversations, open conversations with our employees employees to try and figure out what's going on with them, what's going on in their life, and then see if we can coax them in a compassionate way uh, to comply with the policy. Rich, you mentioned human rights a few minutes ago, and I'd like to touch on that a little bit further because I think that's an important issue right now. So how does that play into this? So a business implementing a mandatory vaccine policy may have employees who refuse to get vaccinated against COVID-19 due to a protected ground under the Human Rights Code. So the Human Rights Code is legislation in Ontario that protects employees from discrimination or harassment on the basis of certain grounds. Those grounds include things like disability or religion or creed. And it requires employers to accommodate employees where those grounds interfere with employees' workplace responsibilities. So you may have an employee who objects to the vaccine because they're concerned about a severe allergy. There are employees out there, there are people out there who can't get the vaccine because of the ingredients in the vaccine and potential allergy concerns. Or they may have a medical condition or take medication that will negatively interact with the vaccine. And they may also object to the vaccine for bona fide religious reasons. In those circumstances, employers are required to accommodate, or at least they're required to think about the accommodations they can give to uh, employees who have human rights objections to the vaccine. Uh, and that duty to accommodate extends to the point of undue hardship. So that's a, it's a very heavy burden uh, that is imposed upon employers to ensure that they consider and implement potential accommodations. And there are accommodations that could be available. Those accommodations include allowing employees to work from home if that's possible, requiring them to work and social distance and wear a mask when they attend to the workplace's physical premises, or asking them to provide negative tests every so often. So there are options that could be available. But the point that I'm raising is employers have a duty under the Human Rights Code to consider what accommodations are available uh, when an employee objects to taking the vaccine based on a, on a religious or medical ground. This is great uh, information, Rich. And we've talked a lot about some of the requirements, but I'll, I'll go back earlier to a comment that you made right at the beginning. And, you know, you said before you drop the heavy hand, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's probably a number of steps that you can go through to at least try and accommodate and understand before you get to that point where you have to, you know, drop the hammer. And I think that's Obviously, something that, as you said before, you, you don't want to lose a, a great employer or someone that uh, has worked for you for a long time just right. because of this situation. So so that's yeah. great. So I'm going to bring something up, too, because this is something even that we've heard in some of the states some uh, down in the U.S. where uh, vaccination rates are low and, and even been uh, I think they've even done it out west. And that's incentive, incentives for people to get vaccinated. Is that something that employers can do as well? Dangling an incentive for their employees that, to get vaccinated? 
So that's a great question, Al. And what's interesting about incentives is that they've been proven to work. There are a number of jurisdictions in the U.S., especially state and local governments, where people have been offered incentives like participation in a, in a lottery or the possibility of receiving other types of prizes. My concern is what you do with employees who refuse to get vaccinated for religious or medical grounds. So grounds that, as I mentioned before, are protected under the Human Rights Code. Are those people going to get an incentive? What do you do with them? Under a mandatory vaccine policy, businesses are probably not going to want to incentivize or give incentives to people who don't get vaccinated. And so my concern is that the policy may exclude people who can't get vaccinated for a human rights protected ground, and that that exclusion may be a form of adverse discrimination against those employees who don't get vaccinated. So my recommendation is to discourage providing incentives to employees and focus on the other workplace benefits of having a community of workers who have been vaccinated and can look out for each other. Rich, you, uh, as always, we love having you on the show and it's why you're, I think, our highest repeat guest. You always provide such relevant information. And it's the reason why people routinely after each episode reach out and say, hey, how do I get in touch with this person? Any uh, final thoughts before we wrap up this incredibly important topic? Well, thanks, first of all, Robin, for that compliment. It's always a pleasure for me to be here and for us to have dialogues on the pressing things that are happening in workplaces in Ontario. I've got two comments I'd want to leave your audience with. First is communication is key. People who work in human resources will know this especially, that communication is, as a friend of mine put it, the key to a great relationship. And so while thinking about that and thinking about mandatory vaccines, I think it's important for businesses to give their employees lots of notice that they're going to ask them to come back to work and then lots of notice that they're going to ask them to be vaccinated uh, in the workplace. And then be open to answering questions about why your business is opening or why your business is implementing a mandatory vaccine policy. Just be open to having that dialogue, again, to address the many concerns and anxieties that come with reopening and, and come with vaccination. The second piece of advice that I would leave is to get legal advice when you're not sure of what you're supposed to do. And this isn't me prompting or trying to solicit people to call me. There are many, many great employment lawyers here in the Toronto area and in Ontario at large. It's really important to touch base with your trusted legal advisor when you're dealing with these types of issues because they are very new and they are very complicated and the law is changing at a rapid pace. I think as a group, you and me and Al, we'll do our best to keep people updated, but it is important for businesses to be open to receiving advice when they're not sure what they're supposed to be doing. Because as I said, these are very tricky issues. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, legal advice, if people do want to get in touch with Rich from Appia Law, what's the best way to reach out, find out more about yourself, have a chat and, and what you're doing at Appia Law? They can check out my website, appialaw.com. That's A-P-P-I-A-H-L-A-W.com. They can also reach me by email at rich at appialaw.com. Okay, well, that does it for today's episode. Again, a very important topic and quite frankly, not an easy one to talk about. It's quite divisive across the country, across the world, to be honest. So I do appreciate yeah. uh, you coming on, Rich, and sharing all this great information. I hope this information is going to be really useful to our audience. As always, regardless of the topic, 
always enjoy having you on the show. And as you know, you're welcome back anytime. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And remember, it all starts with one.